we have these like social pressures just within our family, right? To meet certain expectations, I think. And when the holiday season comes around and you know you're going to see all the tios and tias and the primos and your grandma and your grandpa, and it's a, it's a time where, you know, people ask a lot of questions or maybe they don't. Um, but it's also a time where we all act like everything's okay. And we show up to a family party and it's like, I'm great. How are you? No, I'm great. How's work? No, everything's great. How are you financially? No, it's amazing. When in reality, most of the time we're not okay. Why? And why do we say that we are? Uh, because we are not accustomed to, or we don't normalize talking about how we really feel. And it's so, so, so important. I don't remember any of my friends, family, or anyone in Spanish ever say the words, I saw my therapist, or I'm going to see my therapist. You're listening to Nidaki, a podcast by The Marketing Jersey. It's Nidaki. I am Wiso Vasquez. Hi, Janelli. Episode Wiso. five. This is episode five. Episode cinco, yes. Episode five of our of Nidaki. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. We've been planning for a while, and this is one of the episodes that uh, we kind of circled that we were excited to see, and we want to do it right. So, Danelli, are you ready? Yeah, I'm excited. We've, we've um, I mean, we've had multiple conversations about this, uh, and I think we decided that, I mean, all of our episodes are important, um, but this one is, I would argue, even just a little bit more important because just of what it you know, what it means within our culture. Yes. Yes. Um, it's the holiday season and that's not what we're going to be talking about, by the way, it's not like we're going to get into the holiday, but we'll, we'll, you'll, you'll get, you guys will, will know in a minute, but holiday season is now, right? So Thanksgiving just passed and, uh, what got us thinking, especially about this topic is that during the holiday, during the greatness, during the, the, uh, the great times with family and the happy times, there's always, uh, there are a lot of people that are suffering and we kind of saw that this time around we can kind of talk about this topic because it's a holiday so um we're going to be talking about mental health and as the seasons you saw you see when people are happy uh, there's people that are like i said suffering or they're depressed or there's so much that's going on that everything kind of gets blocked so uh yeah instead of saying happy holidays <laughs> instead of of having that cheerful conversation, let's talk about something that in our culture that we don't necessarily talk about. Danelli, why is it so hard for our community to talk about mental health? Yeah, you mentioned, right? This is a time that's super, super important for the Latinx culture. Why? Because um, we have these like social pressures just within our family, right. To meet certain expectations, I think. And when the holiday season comes around and you know, you're going to see all the tios and tias and the primos and your grandma and your grandpa. And it's a, it's a time where, you know, people ask a lot of questions or maybe they don't. Um, but it's also a time where we all act like everything's okay. Yeah. And we show up to a family party and it's like, I'm great. How are you? No, I'm great. How's work? No, everything's great. How are you financially? No, it's amazing. When in reality, most of the time we're not okay. Why? And why do we say that we are? Uh, because we are not 
accustomed to, or we don't normalize talking about how we really feel. And it's so, so, so important. Hey, you, it's kind of one of those things. ¿Cómo estás, mijo? Bien. Right. And you're not really bien. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's just our culture. It happens all the time. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Right. But specifically within our culture, um, where the pride of making sure everything's okay, whatever, whatever factors you have in your life to make sure that everyone knows that you're okay. Um, we see that around the holidays because that's when you, everybody meets. And don't get me wrong, uh, as, as Latinos, you're, we're meeting all the time with all the, all the birthdays and everything that's happening in our family. But specifically in the holidays, we say, ¿Cómo estás, mijo? Yeah, it's instead of saying, I'm not doing well, I'm, I'm sad. You know, it's hi, por qué? Who, you know, it's it automatically is there's a reason as to as to why, and that's why you're sad, you know. And I think uh, it happens a lot in our in our in our culture where it's always a reason as to why something's happening, not just because there's you're not okay internally, not because something happened, right? And I fear there's cause and effect within our culture that we see a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's so important to just um, you know, like I said, we saw and I have talked about this multiple times. And you know, why, why are we talking about this? Because, uh, it's something that needs to be addressed. We need to address this because I think mental health is something that, uh, really holds, holds us back. I think it limits our culture to a certain extent. And I think if we address it, which is why we we're going to bring on some special guests to hopefully, you know, hopefully help us and help at least one person that's listening to us. I think if we address it, um, you know, we can help somebody out there just have a bit of a better life. Yes. All right. So we're going to tackle this. Why is it so hard for our community to talk about mental health? And for this topic, as usual, we bring in guests that know way more about this topic than, than, than us, at least myself. Um, because we still think he knows everything, no, but he doesn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm the one to say that I don't know everything. So, uh, just messing with I, you. I act, I act sometimes and I have to. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's okay. I do too. That's, that's why we get along. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, we're bringing some, um, we brought a, a couple of guests and we introduce them right now um, that live this every single day that help people and are part of our community. And it's important us to talk to people that, uh, that know this. Um, our f- first guest expert, I would say, is Jessica Arruela. Uh, sorry, our first expert is Jessica Arruelas. Jessica is a first-generation college graduate. Both of her parents are from Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. Both migrated in 1987, initially as a farmer workers who qualified for the 1986 immigration amnesty. And it's important that we talk about that. Uh, Jessica holds a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and a Master's in Social Work, both from Arizona State University. Jessica is a licensed master uh, social worker. Jessica currently works as an inpatient med surge and liver transplant social worker. She has 11 years experience in the behavioral health social work and has ex- uh, experience working with geriatric psychiatric population, SMI population, undocumented youth, at-risk youth, adults, elders, individual family counseling crisis interventions, human trafficking, and substance abuse. Jessica, I'm pretty sure you're qualified to have this conversation with us. And now we're welcome to Nidiaki. Before you say anything, we always uh, ask all of our guests, what is the best thing about being Latina? First of all, thank you for having me. Um, so I think the best thing about being Latina um, 
for me, it's just our food, our culture, how we're united anywhere we are. And we recognize somebody that's Mexican. And it's just, there's that orgullo of just being um, from there or yeah. associated with that culture. Um, so I, I love how our food unites a lot of people. Uh, music, it's so important. Um, so... Yeah, when you're traveling and all of a sudden you see someone that's, are you are you are you Mexican? You know, are you Hispanic? Are you Latina? Like, and you're like, hey, would you connect? You know, in that right, story. right. Or you start hearing the uh, accent, or what you kind of start figuring out where they're from, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. It. No, definitely the food. Food, I think, is one of the best things about our culture. I was just having a ceviche before uh, you two connected. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. Uh, our second expert is Bernardo Peralta, uh, better known as Bernie. He is a first generation Hispanic Latinx. Bernie's mother is from Sinaloa, Mexico and migrated in her early 20s. Bernie's father is a U.S. born Mexican-American with family roots from Sonora, Mexico. Bernie holds a bachelor's of science in psychology and a master's of social work, both from ASU, Arizona State University. Bernie is a licensed clinical social worker, an independent licensed behavioral health practitioner in the state of Arizona. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Bernie is currently involved in outpatient behavioral health counseling and community crisis trauma response work. He has 10 years of experience in behavioral health, social work, and has ex experience working with veterans, active duty military, buried immigrant populations, first responders, First responders, SMI population, developmental disability population, at-risk youth, adults, and elders. And lastly, he has experience working with individuals who have experienced trauma, grief, and loss, and experienced mood and anxiety issues and substance abuse issues. Bernie, same question for you before you say anything. What is your favorite thing about being part of the Latin culture, about being part of the Latin community? Uh, first, thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honor. Um, I'm going to go ahead and break the rules and give you three things. Ooh, so, of it, course, uh, they all start with F. Uh, food, of course, la comida, familia, um, the united spirit, the family, um, and, of course, las fiestas. So, partying, <laughs> dancing. You, I think you're the first guest we've had, we've had on that says las fiestas. Yeah. But how can we forget that? This is true. Exactly. We can start a party anywhere at any time. Yeah. Any party. Any excuse to, to, to come together and party. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Great. Well, Jess, Bernie, um, thank you. Thank you again for, for joining us again. We like to have experts on and, and talk about it. Um, before we kind of just get into this conversation, just really quick, and I'll, we'll, go to, we'll go to you, Bernie. Um, just on a day-to-day, because there's a lot in your bio and a lot that we read about, but on a day-to-day -day basis, what is it that you do um, with mental health and your job and how you're helping this community? Um, so I do a lot. So um, my primary work, I do community uh, crisis and trauma work uh, within the community um, here in Phoenix, uh, sometimes the Phoenix metro area. So um, it's mixed, you know, direct practice, you know, engaging with the community, somebody who's experienced trauma, grief and loss, they may have been you know, a victim um, of a violent crime, uh, sexual assault, domestic violence, providing, you know, emotional support, uh, providing resources, connecting them with um, nonprofit agencies in the community. So having that first interaction 
uh, being that first mental health professional that they get to interact with. So something so happens, of, crisis, uh, yeah. and you are the person mm-hmm. that goes and talks to them, even when there is, you know, a crime scene or, or, or the very first professional that yes. they talk to about it. Wow. Yes. So I do that. And then I do, you know, some supervisory um, tasks as well. So manage the units. Um, I have interns that I take on. So as part of the, the profession as well. It's taking what you've learned and, you know, passing it on to the, the next generation of, of workers who have that, you know, passionate and compassionate spirit to help others. Wow. So that's part of it. And then um, I also do work at a private practice, um, doing counseling, um, either mental health or substance abuse counseling. Uh, so my couple of my days can look pretty long. So I just actually finished a, a 13 hour day. So, but I'm happy to be here. I still have enough energy, you know, I'm going to be a little bit tired later on, but you know, <laughs> having the passion, you know, kind of keeps you, keeps you going. We appreciate that. Definitely. Uh, Jesse, you just, uh, walk us through a day of, and how you help in mental health in the community. Yeah. So my day basically it's, I'm a liver transplant social worker mainly, and I work at a hospital. So it's a combination of liver transplants as well as the general population medical issues. Um, but my floor particularly because it involves liver, um, we do have a lot of substance abuse. Um, so it involves rounding with liver doctors, um, in the mornings and preparing for a lot of the, um, kind of pre the pre liver aspect where we have to evaluate to determine if they meet criteria or not, um, for a liver transplant. Um, once they receive a transplant, I do assessments just to make sure how their emotional well-being is. Because a lot of people do struggle with, even though they've received this transplant, um, they struggle with knowing that this was a deceased person. You know, they just got an opportunity, but somebody else passed in the process. Wow. Um, And any, I basically do any psychosocial needs for any substance abuse, any um, physical abuse, because we'll get the domestic violence victims. So um, just in general, like emotional support. Wow. Um, thank you for that. And that just kind of gives us a little bit of, of, of a look and on, it, it makes me think that like what I do is kind of like meaningless to <laughs> here I am, in, you know, in sports and in media and, and, and producing stuff. And I realized that, you know, you guys, not that I'm not making a difference, but listening to an everyday what how much you guys go through i go wow yeah i mean um, they're handling other people's stress yeah. <laughs> and we're just handling our own so yeah. props to both of you <laughs> so um let's have this conversation about our culture and i and i'm glad that you guys are here and and if you're listening to us we painted a picture of why we wanted jess and bernie to, to come on to have this conversation because we kind of talked a little bit at the, at the intro generally but the question is ask why is it so hard for our community to talk about mental health? And Janelli, on a personal note, you know, we said it, we said it about the holidays, but more on your, on your history and your personal is to, is that you've had experience with, um, with issues with your family, not necessarily believing that you needed help. 
Yeah. So I've had, uh, I mean, I've had panic attacks since I was, since I can remember maybe 10 years old, but in the moment I didn't know that I was having a panic attack, panic attack because my parents told me otherwise. Right. Um, at 22, I was diagnosed with, um, general anxiety disorder, um, and major depressive disorder. And it wasn't until then that I realized that, uh, you know, my family didn't help me at all. And it wasn't their fault. It was more because they, they just didn't know any better. Right. So, I mean, I remember an instance where I was in sixth grade and, um, I had to run out of the classroom because I felt like I was going to pass out. And I thought I was, I don't know, like, I don't know what I thought actually, but now that I have, um, you know, education on it and, and, you know, I've had help from experts, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was having a panic attack and I couldn't breathe. And I had to run out of the classroom because I thought the world was going to end, but it wasn't right. But in the moment I didn't know that. And, um, I mean, my point is that I, I'm 31 years old now and I suffered so much. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with, um, our culture, just not, not knowing any better. My parents not knowing any better. My mom telling me like, ah, so nervios, mija. or my brother's telling me, no, you're crazy, Jay, you're crazy. And I got to a point where I was like, oh my goodness, maybe I am crazy. But I now I know that I'm not. <laughs> In this conversation, and now asking you guys as the experts as, as to why is it when you think about it, as far as our community, not having not being able to talk about this conversation. What's the first thing that comes to your mind, Jess? Um, I think a lot is, I don't know. I think it's a lot to do with guilt uh, that if we do say something, um, especially like, for example, Janelle, how she was explaining it, um, that guilt of parents thinking that they're doing, like, what did they do wrong? You know, because then they start feeling guilty and start, questioning their parenting and where how come you know I've never looked at it that way but that's that's actually wow very interesting um I had honestly from my perspective I never once like thought oh my parents don't know what they think they don't know what they're doing maybe that's why but that's Mm -hmm. actually a really good perspective Bernie to you kind of in kind of the same question as far as our community and Jess answered more on the guilt side but por qué no podemos hablar with the problems that we have inside as a community, what, what would you say? Something I've seen, um, I would say that's prevalent in the community and actually cross-cultural as well into the uh, American culture is just not wanting to burden others with your, mm-hmm. your own issues. It's, hey, you know, mom's working 50, 60 hours. You know, I don't want to put this extra stress on her. I don't want to burden her with anything. Same thing, dad's working. Uh, so just that burden of, feeling that that you're burdening somebody with your issue yeah and that's i think on a personal note for me is that i think the burden is there but being being afraid of of not knowing what those signs are what the symptoms are of that and and was i having a panic attack like like janelle has said or was i not feeling great when I should be feeling okay. And it's kind of not knowing on that. And that's far as, as that edu- on that education. One thing that I asked myself and I was asking Janelli and, and, and we kind of talked a little bit about it was I don't remember any of my friends, family, or anyone in Spanish ever say the words, I saw my therapist or I'm going to see my therapist. And maybe it's more normalized now in English, 
where, um, you know, if somebody's saying that, it's like, wow, great. I, and I think we're starting to have those conversations. But take that 10, 15 years ago, um, and even in English, you know, saying, hey, I found my therapist. Well, what's wrong with you? But in Spanish, I don't, we were trying to figure out how to say therapist in Spanish, right? And it's, uh, I, and, and I don't know, Janelli, like, you even said, you've never heard anybody say, yeah, yeah, next, last, next week, I'm, I'm going to see my therapist. And then, or I can't do this because I'm going to go see my therapist. Yeah, or I've never heard anybody close to me say like, oh yeah, I went to seek help because I wasn't feeling okay. Yeah. And it's just something that it's like, whoa, like it's kind of mind blowing. You know, it's something that's not normal at all, but it should be. Does this stat surprise you? Approximately 34% of Hispanic Latinx adults with mental illness receive treatment each year compared to the U.S. average of 45%. So when we're looking at, you know, Jess and Bernie there, in our community, and you talk about cross cultures, but why is it that you think it's much lower? And you mentioned it already, right? Those the stigma or um, the burden. But does that stat surprise you guys? No, I it, I actually want to go back to what you were saying because I want to offer some deeper insight to it. Yeah. Um, um, in regards to saying, oh, I've never heard a family member saying, I'm going to speak to my therapist this Friday. So in my professional work, um, when I really started getting into it, working at an agency where I had to provide counseling therapy in Spanish, I realized that I didn't know a good chunk of the emotions in Spanish. And I go, okay, why? It's because my family and my friends would never express certain emotions. Like, oh, I'm feeling guilty or I'm feeling depressed. I had to learn those words in Spanish because I had never heard them in my home. So people weren't expressing um, how they felt emotionally. So that's something that kind of, you know, blew my mind at first that, you know. We don't don't necessarily know how to express our feelings in Spanish. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to translate this and I'm sorry, I mean, I'm really good at translate, but how would I say I'm feeling guilty about something? Me, Me siento culpable? Yeah. I think it's also it has to do with a lot of like um how we are supposed to be this resilient culture and mm-hmm. we're just supposed to endure like everything that comes our way and you know is this whole thing of like just you know keep moving on keep working hard and it'll be fine or the whole si se puede even though those are very good things to have, um, I think then we end up sacrificing or in the process, we end up hurting ourselves with our mental health because we don't normalize that we are going to be stressed. We are going to be feeling let down. You know, things happen in life. But I think because we don't talk about it, um, we end up, really hurting our mental health yeah you make a really good point that um right our mentality our you know big part of our culture is like you just put your head down and work doesn't matter what you're feeling you just put your head down and work and it's important for our people to know that you can do that you can put your head down and work and follow our mentality and you can seek help and you can talk about how you're feeling or what's okay and what's not okay but it's, mm-hmm. it's those conversations that you need to have with your family. And I'm not saying, look, cause I, like, I can't 
you go into my deals or my uncles and be like, hey, the reason why this is happening is because we're pretty screwed up in the head. Like, it's like, ah, no, we're not. Just keep working. It's like you in our culture, we're seen as weakness when we when we bring those those things up. And as much as I want to have that conversation with some of my family members, they're just going to be like, you know, oh, just, you know, there's always a solution. Just don't do it. Or, you know, think about other things or, you know, you know, if, it, if it's a family member, if it's anybody you had problems with, solve that problem. It feels like there's always a, a solution to anything um, in our culture when it's like step back. Maybe it's depression, right? You know, or porque está triste siempre. Oh, because, you know, he's not, you know, he's had some problems with this, this or this. And this is why, this is exactly why, you know, we've brought on both of you, Jessica and Bernie. Um, and I think before we like continue the conversation, I think it's important that we kind of, we, we break down what is mental health, like from, um, I guess, just like a professional's perspective, uh, let's say you were speaking to somebody that our culture, I mean, let's be real. Our culture doesn't, they really don't know what it means. Like if, if you were to have this conversation with my mom, now she has a little bit of insight because of me, but before she'd be like mental health, what is eso? you know? So I think it's important for our community to just understand if both of you can kind of just briefly break it down. What does it mean? What is mental health? I think it, first off, it's, it's a broad term that's thrown around. Um, I, I think you can't talk about actually mental health without physical health as well you know, mind-body connection um, that you, a lot of times they go hand in hand and that gets gets overlooked. Um, but of course, mental health, um, you know, I'll use the term behavioral health, which just refers to mental health and substance abuse, but how, how oftentimes those go hand in hand as well. So oftentimes I think the magnifying, the magnifying glass is, is too focused on, you know, what's out there in, in the media, uh, mental health, um, you know, you hear certain diagnoses thrown out, bipolar, OCD, uh, PTSD, but just, you know, what, is all, what does it all mean? Like, what are those specific insights to, to what those all mean? So it's, it's a really broad term. Um, that's hard. I think it's really, really hard to, to identify or had a re- really hard to describe in, in general. So I could probably talk for about an hour, two hours, three hours about it and still, <laughs> and still let each of you talk about it for that amount of time. And you could talk about completely different yeah. things and it fall, it all falls under the umbrella. And I, th- I think the question is, and, and, and sorry, this is kind of over to you is how do you explain what mental health is to someone in your community? Like maybe there is a Theo that, you know, works 70 hours a week and it's like, Hey, Let's have, let me explain to you that just like physical health, you know, there's mental health. And maybe that's the kind of like the, the, the question that we're, we're asking and, and uh, very, not that, not that there was anything wrong with what you said, because it's true, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. it's specifically where someone can have, Hey, you know, that there's more to health and going to the gym, but there's also, you know, right. mental health. And I think, and I think a lot has. I think the way I explain it, it's like their emotional and maybe social well-being. Um, because emotionally, I think like if you're saying for an example of your uncle working 70 hours, like sometimes we forget to ask those people, how are you really feeling? Like, 
how is your mood, you know? And I feel like with my family, for example, they get thrown off or even families that I interact with at work that are those older generations, even, you know, with liver transplant, for example, there's caregivers. And when you ask the caregiver, because everything's so patient focused, how are you doing? They're like, what? So I think it's just really um, explaining, you know, how, how is their emotional state? Um, what is their support system? Um, because that ultimately affects the way we react and feel and um, think and also how we get through those difficult stages. When you do, and Bernie, Jess, thank you for that. You, you, you know, bringing up physical health is, is huge because I, obviously I think our culture, um, if we could all be like Danelli as healthy, we'd be, this would be a great world. But um, especially with, with, with our physical health, um as 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 a community our access to health care as as far as as communities goes we're on the lowest where we're looking at percentages of 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 latin x from youth to adults have access to health care and that could be for many reasons right um the barriers like i said due to many unique barriers when i said that 34% of hispanic adults on the average of 45% of the us um, the barriers that come up are language barriers, right? And also access, access to healthcare. Um, in your community and on the, on the everyday, on your everyday world, um, Jess or Bernie, um, do you see that also being present that the access is not there? It's not only just physical health, but mental health, especially in in metropolitan cities or rural areas? I can give you a few different, you know, perspectives is, you know, you can, you know, divert, you know, the funds, create the agencies, but you still need the workforce. Um, I remember going through graduate school. I was, there's probably about 400 in our graduating class. And there was maybe 10 to 15 of us who were Latinos, you know, which is, you know, if you do the math, you know, what, less than 5%. Mm -hmm. and those individuals are going directly into the workforce so the so workforce the population yeah. disparity of, of actually professionals and with the that's need especially if latinos now being the fastest growing minority in, mm -hmm. in this country is not necessarily adding yeah up. i was gonna say you know it's it's the lack of workforce and also the cultural competence um out there, even if I think even if you don't speak Spanish, I don't think that a lot of um, there's not a lot of cultural competence out there. And that is how um, I think it's this whole issue of people getting misdiagnosed. Um, the whole thing with nervios or, for example, I've encountered instances where people who are dealing with grief and then they say they see their loved one and you know they're going that it's very common within like the Latino community especially spirituality wise to say things like they have these visual like they saw their loved ones that just passed or anything like that so I I've had to kind of educate some of my coworkers, or even had 
team meetings with doctors that they're like, oh, that makes sense. Because it's not necessarily that this person is schizophrenic or this person is having a psychotic moment because they're not, they have to meet a certain criteria, right? And just because they're having this visual, I don't know. Stimuli. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's, that they're psychotic, Yeah. for example. So I think that can get like misdiagnosed. It's, it's especially with 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 mis mis misdiagnosing mis right like in our culture generally as we see we're quick to be like this is what it is you just like you saw right there's nervios and you had the anxiety but not only that um home care remedies of when you know and if if something's happening ah and and i don't know if you have examples where things people come up and and i've seen some crazy ones and not necessarily mental health but just like eat this eat this eat this and you're gonna be fine or put uh i think recently somebody not necessarily a remedy but it's like oh you are you're depressed put this type of plant in your house right for the good vibes to come in <laughs> like like stuff like that and i'm like you re people really believe that like that's you know, it's part of, it's part of that culture, but um, coping specifically with mental illness uh, as far as our community. And we touched a little bit about this, uh, Bernie, where there is an issue and it, they go to substance abuse most. And I would say the most popular would be alcoholism. How prevalent is that in, in, uh, in within our community and mental health? Really prevalent um, because like you said, it, it you see that as something that's openly talked about, you know, such and such, you know, Theo or Toma Mucho. But if not, you know, Theo went through, you know, a traumatic experience, you know, he's suffering from PTSD. Uh, he struggles with depression. He's not sleeping. Um, he's not eating. Uh, none of that's being said. It's just that, that the, the behavior, but overlooking, you know, the deeper underlying issues of, of what's going on. So. And have, have we normalized that? Like Danelli do, have we normalized the, oh, he just drinks all the time. Yeah, I think within our culture is just, um, we see social drinking as like just the thing that you do. And like, uh, for example, um, you know, alcoholism is a, it's a major issue in my family. And it's something that I personally struggled with. And I still, I mean, I still don't know if I'm an alcoholic or not. I don't know if you ever recover from it, you know? Um, but I, I figured out how to manage things. Um, but my, uh, my baby brother who's 25 years old and he he's currently struggling with it and it's what he learned from my dad. And it's what I learned from my dad, right? It's how we learn to cope. Now, you know, he's had episodes where it's been very, very difficult. And my dad's solution for him was, Oh, it's like, like, I feel like there's a part of our culture where at that level of of, um, I wouldn't even know what the word is, uh, lack of education, lack of open-mindedness, lack of exposure. I mean, Jess, I'm sure you can, both of you can, you know, give us more insight on that. Like wh why, why is that my dad's and my dad is just an example of, you know, this happens in, in so many, so many families with so many people. Why is that our solution? I mean, I think it comes back to the difficulty of talking about it you know, and that lack of education. And I think a lot of families um, 
I think we've all heard like uh, families who struggle with family members, but they don't want to, they don't want everybody to know. They don't want other families to know. Or even, I remember like, you know, even in, in, in Mexico, like when I would go and visit and there was somebody struggling, it's like, oh, I read loquito. Um, so it's just, I think the families do struggle with talking about it because then that it's going to shed some light into, you know, other family members. And then I feel then there's some shame associated with that. It's sad to know that, you know, we can't talk about our feelings because of so many different reasons, you know, and going back to the same theme, Danelli, is our, this patriarchal society that we can't talk about our feelings and this machismo, because it's always like the problems that we face every single time. It's, um, but, you know, on, on a personal note, it's if you're depressed, it's, you know, you, you're not manly enough to, to talk to your dad or your mom about it, right? Um, if you're nervous, well, you know, it was kind of like, well, why, are, why is that happening? Maybe you shouldn't be in that situation. There's always that answer from, from family members. And it can be because of that education. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do think also it has, yeah, the, the lack of education, because I, I feel even here, there's always those pharmaceutical um commercials where they're talking about depression and if you feel this way consult a doctor right yeah um not necessarily it's your choice if you want to or not but for example in mexico i've never seen a commercial that way like it's not something that it's talked about yeah yeah even and i didn't mention it when we're turning channels and you're watching you know spanish television you never hear about that. No, you, you never, won't. Yeah. Never talk about it. Like, and that's now that I live in Mexico, I have not. You're right. You like, I don't Mexico, watch a lot of. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of TV, but like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a commercial. And it's just kind of throwing it out there. Right? So you can be like, you know, maybe yeah. maybe there is something wrong. But like, I don't even think that's talked about. I think it'd be um, interesting to see how many doctors of psychiatry or, or counselors there are in Latin Latinx countries. How many Jessica and Bernie's there are in, you know, in different parts of Latin America. And is that normalizing? And that, and it, it, it has, you know, it, why is that now the other side of things is that there's so many pills and so many answers to, you know, commercials here in the United States with like pharmaceuticals that right. kind of goes on the other side. So, yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's not yeah. necessarily like it's a yeah. thing to have, right. but it goes back to, I don't it just goes back to like the whole not even being able to talk about it and for the community to become more aware and um about just mental health like I don't think it's talked about so how do you for both of you how do you think how can we get people to talk about these things like for how can we help our community talk about these things I know it's a very it's going to be very difficult to answer, Please but you know. write a dissertation on that. <laughs> Hold yeah. All of us. Where can we start? Yeah, where can we start? I think we're starting now because these mm-hmm. things they're they've been passed on for generations. You know, the stigma, not talking about your feelings, not you know being able to emotionally express um, unhealthy coping skills such as drinking, 
you know, that's being passed down as well. So getting the conversation out there, having better access to, to healthcare as well. Uh, there's so many barriers and there's different ways to approach, approach mm-hmm. those barriers as well. I don't think I've ever asked my parents how they're doing. And when they're like, Oh, I'm doing good. Or if something was grief, like how they're, how is their mental health? Like, how are you feeling in that sense? And here's the thing. I don't know if my mom or my dad would tell me if there was something happening. Because so, of the burden almost, right? Why? I don't want to. My dad had problems that didn't tell us because he didn't want us to worry. I think it goes like, I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one, but our family members not going to the doctor because they don't want anything to find, you know, find anything wrong. That's, I know crazy in our, in our, in our culture. Um, we see it all the time, but at the same time, our parents not telling us that, Hey, this is happening because, um, they don't want us to worry about them. And it's almost this mentality, maybe the, this immigrant mentality of coming into this country and, you know, work, make sure you're my kids and my family have everything and everything is, you know, we'll cope with, with alcohol, but I don't, I don't remember asking my parents that. And, and even friends, right. When you're talking to friends, the conversation of, of, are we okay? Instead of like, oh, okay, you know, how's work? How's, you know, what are you up to these days? But even at normalizing that conversation within your friends, you're like, how are you doing? But d- dig deep into that. How are you really doing? You know, I, and, and I think we, we, we should start doing that. And I don't know if you guys have had that conversation with your parents, because I know I have it. I feel like I have, and I think, um, I think my mom, you know, just watching the news, every time I would go to her house, she had like the Mexican news station or the Univision or whatever. And each time they would talk about, I don't know, some case, my mom, every time she would approach like somebody with either mental health or like she would be very judgmental, which I think my approach was very changing my tone to not be defensive towards her, but kind of provide some education. And I think my mom has become more interested or like every time she'll say something now, she'll kind of like, just like ask me the question, like, is that true? Is So now she's become more interested. Mm -hmm. And then also just talking about me and telling her mom, I'm going to therapy, like, you know, and I think then she's kind of like, okay. And I, and we've had a conversation, like, I think you should too, you know? Yeah. Um, even though she doesn't go, I still just talk about it and she'll stay quiet, but I told her I'll respect your decision, but I think you should. So having those conversations is the first, is, is the start. If it's friends, if it's family, normalizing your, your circle about, you know, going to therapy or seeking help or asking, mm-hmm. asking those, those questions. Yeah. And like Bernie, you said, right. This is something that has been passed down for generations and generations. Right. And we're, I think, you know, this is the beginning, right. We're trying to break that, um, that pattern. And it's obviously, it's very, very difficult. Um, but do you think that we can 
like, you know, our parents' generations, like, can we help them? Like, can we actually help them? Or, you know, like, do we focus on the next generations or what do you think? You have to find the right way to approach them. You know, they have to be willing to want to get help. Um, I'll just share, like, with my mom, she's open, you know, emotional, how she feels. Uh, but when it comes to, let's say, just small, you know, relation, relational conflicts with my dad, um, you know, I'll try to empower her, you know, give her tools, things she can say uh, to better manage those conflicts. But it always goes back to, no, he's my husband. I'm going to serve him. And that's just how it's going to be. So we get up to a certain point, you know, we can talk about how she feels, how, how she can cope with it. But there's this barrier to, you know, those relational conflicts because that's my husband, you know, and I'm going to serve him. So certain things you can work on. Uh, but if somebody's not ready to break down that barrier with you, um, it's, it's not going to happen at that time, you know, maybe late, at a later point, but they're just not ready at that time. So meet them. We use this phrase a lot in our profession, meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you start. Meet them where they're at, and that's where you start. Mm-hmm. And everybody's yeah. completely different. So it's not like, Jenny, right. I don't think we're going to solve this. With, we're going to do our best at it. Tell us how we can make our community talk about mental health, but with everybody so different about it. Yeah, Bernie, you made you made a very good point, um, right? Your mom, you know, struggles with, you know, uh, the relationship. And it ties back to the P word we saw patriarchy, yeah. right? So she feels like, uh-huh. you know, he's, he's, he's a boss and what he says goes. And even if I'm miserable, it doesn't matter what he says goes. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, we, the solution, right? My solution to everything is uh, we need a structural cultural change, which is massive, right? Massive, which means that uh, we need to educate and re-educate the, the next generations, you know, to a point where, you know, what we, what we know now and what we're doing now, you know, we stop doing, which is going to take decades and decades and century, probably centuries. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, like you said, the person has to be willing, willing to, to want help. And that's the most difficult part. You can't force anybody. Outlook for the future. We talked about all, all, you know, the past generation of boomers and Gen Xers, this new Gen Z generation. And we're always going back to the future. Are you seeing more? And I think I am seeing more if I look at my cousins that are 17, 16, 18, you know, at least talking about more about their feelings than we did. Right. If it's uh, males talking about their feelings or do you see in, you do you see that where you're working a little bit more as far as this, this new generation normalizing mental health? I would like to say yes, but I'm also working at the agency where they come to seek help. So I don't know if I'm just <laughs> have a narrow scope of helping yeah. the individuals who want help. Mm-hmm. So. I'd like to think um, they're more open. You know, I've seen just generally, you know, across social media, you know, more acceptance, you know, younger generations, I've seen that. But to say that I don't have any, you know, data to pull from. Which which makes sense. I mean, I look at TikTok and I was like, okay, these kids are getting it, but then that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the answer to Mm -hmm. to everything. before uh, before we end, I definitely want to make sure we we give some resources out there. And I ask you guys to 
to kind of, you know, obviously Janelle and I, okay, what can we do? Where can we start? Cause we like to try to solve things like right away, which we should not Janelle. You have to meet them where they're at. I'm going to tell you that like the next time you, you, you know, you tell me something and I'll be like, wait, the next time I try to change the world in a day, you're going to yeah, tell like, me that. <laughs> Janelle, just meet people where they're at. I'm going to use that a lot more now. Like, Hey, did you do this? I need you to meet me. I'm tired today. <laughs> I'm just gonna use that as an excuse. No, don't. Um, um, but uh, we asked for some resources, and I know you sent me a couple, Bernie. Um, where uh-huh. and and I'll paint this picture where maybe somebody's listening. They don't have anybody necessarily to talk to. They don't necessarily have insurance. Like, is there someone where you can pick up the phone and be like, "I'm not feeling well." And it, it, I, obviously there's suicide prevention, which is the first thing that everybody goes to, right? But it doesn't stop there because not everything is geared towards that. There can be kind of two approaches to, to things. There can be the mental wellness approach um, and there can be kind of the, you know, when you're, you know, dealing with an issue, kind of seeking support approach from there. I would say start with the mental wellness and what you're doing with that is, you know, I'll give you the example of, visual example is you're building a better foundation you know, and you're building a home on that foundation. And if you have a better structural foundation, you're going to have a better resiliency to the things that happen in life because things will happen. Whereas if you don't have a good foundation, you know, then you're going to build on this home that's a little bit crooked. You're just more prone, more at risk to the things, uh, to certain life events that are going to happen more at risk for, uh, for depression, um, anxiety, um, things like that. Wrapping yourself uh, around social sports as well, trying to have at least five people you can talk to. Um, they don't all have to be perfect, amazing people. You know, it could be a specific friend who's just willing to listen. Um, not the person who's going to problem solve. You know, even though we like helping others, we like problem solving. That's not always what we need. So if you can have five, you know, supports in your life, um, you're doing pretty good. Um for those who want some self, you know, exploration, um, I have some book recommendations. Uh, there's one about spirituality, self-help, uh, one called The Four Agreements by a uh, Mexican author, Don Miguel Ruiz. You may have heard the book before. Uh, another book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, uh, Portuguese Great book. author. Yeah. Purchased how- three times. Yeah, this is one of, awesome. my, one of my favorites. But how is that? How does it, I mean, I, I guess I could see the help just as yeah. spiritual themes. So let, I mean, let's say you, you're struggling with an issue and you go to the therapy once a week, you know, that's one, one hour out of the 192 hours per week. What are you doing the other 99.5% of the time? You know, you're reading, you're going through, depending on the person, sometimes, you know, spiritual journey, uh, learning, um, getting education. Um, I'll transition to, NAMI.org, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, there's state chapters. Um, there's education on serious mental illness, bipolar disorder, borderline personality uh, disorder, uh, other uh, mental illnesses in there. Uh, there's support groups, education. Um, there's psychology today. Find a therapist. You know, you can find a therapist who think would be a good match for you. You can look for somebody who's culturally competent. Uh, don't be too picky because otherwise you may be on a two to three month wait list. And if you have a more pressing issue, um, there's betterhelp.com. 
um, you know, telehealth options um, as COVID still continues to be, you know, a barrier to um, some of our, you know, social connections, um, talk space, another telehealth uh, option as well. Um, engaging in mindfulness meditation. Um, there's free apps on the Apple Store, Google Play, um, practicing some exercises on YouTube, trying to build some, you know, again, resiliency, trying to build a strong, solid foundation as well. Man, I'm not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you made it sense. I'm like, oh, I'm happy all the time, but it's like, you know, having that, 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 that doesn't necessarily mean that you're okay. Just right. Just, yeah. Just, no, no. Yeah. Wow. That, that word okay just reminds me of just starting, um, you know, it's okay not to be okay. You know, I'll say here in Phoenix, there's, you know, county, uh, the county crisis line. Um, I know the number here in Phoenix, 602-222-9444. Uh, I've got that number there's, memorized. I'm sure uh, there's somebody available. There's the county, county crisis line in everywhere, right? Every, yeah. Yeah. Every state. Sometimes, you know, some rural areas um, struggle, um, but larger metro, um, general bigger cities, they're going to have you know, crisis lines. Yeah. So you can just Google what's the crisis line in my, in my County and nine times out of 10, they're going to have something available. We challenge everybody. And, and hopefully what listening to this is one thing that stuck out is having five people that you can talk to about what's going on. And then maybe that's where we start. Where do you have anyone? If it's not five, at least, you know, one person, two people, that you can talk about how you're feeling, not just what's going on with your life and your accomplishments or what's going on, but internally, you know, how you're feeling. And then um, all the different, we'll, we're going to post all this, um, the help and making sure that, you know, if there's somebody out there that needs help, you're, we're able to get it. But um, Danelia, and- <laughs> it's kind of like pointing the finger at me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, this was all about you guys, but that's like, now I'm like, man, now you're opening. I'm not having those conversations. I'm part of the problem because I'm not having those conversations with anyone outside from friends to family. Mm-hmm. And it's big that you recognize that, you know, when we, when we're able to recognize that we're part of the problem, that's like step one to, you know, to finding, finding a solution. And like, like Bernie just said, right. Uh, for all of our listeners, um, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. And just remember that uh, you are human. A lot of us sometimes forget, you know, we go through life just so quickly and, you know, we just put our head down and work because that's what we're told to do. Uh, we forget that we're human and we forget that it's okay for us, you know, to have days where, where we struggle. Uh, it doesn't mean that that moment defines you, you know, you can, you can find a way to grow. You can find a way, a way to be better. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, Jess, taking the time. Um, like I said, when we when we look at our, our everydays, we're only stressed about ourselves, but I'm glad we have people like you that are in the community and that are passionate at helping people. Um, and that not only are you helping people, but you know, you're you're helping those around you for your job, but then also your friends and family, which which is is huge. One thing that I that I that I love to mention is that you said, Jess, is that you're also in therapy right? Mm-hmm. You said that yourself, like, Hey, I'm in therapy. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we, well, don't you have all the answers? And I think it's a, it's saying right now that no matter, even if you're schooled, even if you have your degree, when 
something can happen where you're needing help. So if you're listening, we have experts here that know how to help people. They also seek help. Can you just imagine us lay people and normal, you know, non experts on this? It said everybody needs help sometime. And I think that's uh that's a good way. That's a good way to end things. Bernie again, thank you very much. And Jess, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Jess, thank you again for having these conversations with us. Thank you. And Janelli, este, that was episode five. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure like uh like Bernie said, we probably could have talked about each topic for like two, three hours and you know, still it kept going. But the important thing is that uh, you know, we've at least um opened the door to this conversation. So yeah, thank you both, Jess and Bernie. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll, you know, we see more of you and uh, we continue to help people. All right. See you on the next episode of Yuki. <laughs>